I'm Chris Turner, and this is the Empowered Parent Podcast. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me once again are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Christopher. I want us to talk about a question that one of our listeners sent in, asking about how do we prepare the kids already in our home for the journey into foster care? That is a good question and something that I wish we had done better. Mm. I don't think we... Well, I mean, when we started our foster care journey, we didn't have any children in our home. Yeah. Right. And so then we adopted our oldest two kids um, and kind of took a little bit of a break. And then we went back to foster again. So now we had kids that were a little older. So we had two adopted and a biological daughter at that time. Mm -hmm. And we struggled with our kids. Um, One of them in particular really struggled with each kid that came into our home Mm. and with behaviors and we saw behaviors of some of our kids really begin to flare up um, with the behaviors of the kids that were coming into our home. Mm. I think our um, foster care journey is really the tale of two journeys, like you alluded to there. There was this part that we um, we fostered, and it was in a time when, when words like foster to adopt had meaning. I know mm. we still use them now, but they don't mean as, mean the same thing that they used to. And so... Um, we adopted, and then um, our ten-year-old daughter was born. Well, ten years ago, uh, she was born, and um, some life circumstances, and we took a little bit of a break, and then went back to fostering. And we had agreed that we were just going to be foster parents. We weren't trying to adopt. We weren't trying to grow our family, even though we did grow our family by two. Um, but that, you know, that's probably another. Um, transparency episode for another day um so anyhow but but when you yeah it was like we started the first the first round of fostering we adopted and then the next round of fostering you were intending to foster to adopt the first time right right you were just committed to being foster we were committed to fostering we weren't situation came along correct correct well summarized christopher yes (laughs) (laughs) um so you know kind of our mentality you know, and the reason I mentioned that because our view of what we were doing really, really changed how we approached it. Mm. Um, and then the second time when we were focused on just being foster parents mm. instead of adoption, um, we had kiddos. We had four kids, three kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> we had three kids. And so this question kind of kind of hit home for me, not just the preparation part, which we haven't addressed at all. Um, so because I feel like just addressing these out of order. But the impacts, um, because over the years we had friends and family members say to us, aren't you concerned that kids staying in your home for an unspecified amount of time when they come in and leaving, aren't you concerned that that's damaging your children? Mm. And I will say that that thought always kind of sat in the back of my mind. But over the years, and and to say that there were no negative impacts would be false. Yeah. Um, but the positive impacts are so overwhelming because I have people who are five years of age who have more compassion and empathy in them than adults that I know. Mm. Um, Because they have seen kids who who came into our home because of some difficult circumstances in their lives. They were part of the group here in our home that just loved on those kids so well. They miss those kids. They ask about some of those kids. 
um, but they also understood that those kids were never going to be a permanent part of our family. And so I think that my children have levels of empathy and compassion and have a real understanding that the world is not a rosy place for everybody, mm-hmm. that not everybody has a butterflies and unicorn story. And to see them love on those kiddos, to see them share their things with those kids, I think that when my children are adults and they're able to do compassionate and kind things and really change the world in positive ways, which I truly believe that they will, I think that being a foster family will have contributed in a very large way to that. Yeah, I think early on I was a little worried when we were fostering and kids were coming in and out because we did have quite a few kids come and go and we got pretty attached to those kids and we were really sad to see them go. And because we had adopted two kids out of foster care, we were very um, intentional about saying to those kids that if it was ever too hard for us to foster, Mm -hmm. that they could tell us, right. They were, they were old enough to know. um, And we said, if it's, if it's too hard to have kids coming and going, then, then we'll stop. We'll stop for a while. We don't have to do this. Right. And we, so we were very open with our kids about, we want you to tell us how you're feeling and what, you know, what's going on and what you're thinking. And so we had this, um, the sibling set of kids that came into our home and it was a newborn baby. It was the first newborn that we'd had since our oldest daughter had come to us, um, at four months. And this baby was just three days old. And then, um, she had an older brother who was about 20 months old or something like that. So two little bitty kiddos came and they were only with us for about five weeks Mm. and they were reunified with grandparents and it was a wonderful, sweet thing. We were so happy for this family to be back together And I just remember watching our oldest and he just sobbed Mm. when they left and he sobbed and he said, I think it's too hard. I don't think I can do this. Mm. And I was so heartbroken by him. And so we told our agency, we needed a little bit of time and it was probably a week later. And he said, when are we going to have more babies come to our house? (laughs) And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, we need to help more kids. And I was like, Oh, I love that. Okay, let's help more kids, right? Because he understood that while he was sad and he loved that baby, that it was a good thing that that baby went to this biological family, right? So I think helping our kids know the purpose of foster care Mm. is that reunification. And then when that's not possible, then there's other plans that are made, right? And I think it's helpful to just involve your kids and listen to your kids. And if they have concerns, if they have, it's not to say that our kids are going to dictate what we do, right? Right. Because we're the grownups and we get to make decisions. And sometimes it's hard to share your toys and you're going to say, well, I don't want them to come take all my toys. Right. But I still think we can use their words and the things that they're saying as learning opportunities to teach our kids these important life skills Mm. that they need. No, I think, I think that's really great because we're empowering the kids, right? And we're telling our children at a young age that they get a way in on what we do as a family. So, I mean, if we didn't really list out all the positives, but if we did, I think we'd come with a lot. And, you know, maybe, maybe it was a little cavalier to say to my dad that day when he asked, aren't you afraid that, that foster care is damaging your children negatively? Maybe it was a little cavalier to say, no, not at all. Because that's not true. But I think the positive far outweighs the negative because 
one of the things that foster care has taught my children is that what's best for somebody else and what you want are not always the same thing. Right. And you have to go with what's best for somebody else. And and when we were just foster motivated, um, we prayed for, we rejoiced with um, kids who were united with their families, even though it was hard sometimes. And even though, just to be completely honest, it was not hard sometimes. Yeah. Um, and if you ever bump into me on the street and ask me about that, and I'll tell you. <laughs> um, but, but understanding that there was something that was better for another person that did not involve us long-term was hard for me and Kayla. Yeah. Um, that's why I made a point of saying, you know, we were foster motivated the second time through. It's the tale of, tale of two journeys because um, that allowed us to accept that, you know, because, I mean, we all have a little bit of narcissism in us, right? And so we believe that the best place for all of those children are in our, it's in our home. Yeah. That was awkward. But for the best place for those children is in our home. And um, that's not always true. And and I think that that's a life lesson that a lot of adults don't understand. And I'm really happy that my kids have some experience with that understanding that what I want is not always what's best for everybody. Yeah. Because we grow up thinking what I want is best for everybody. And that's why we get into power struggles with people and arguments with people because they just won't do things our way. Right. And so our kids had a good lesson in that. Um, they also, to watch them be kind to people um, who are who have disadvantages in life that they don't have and to watch them share things and to watch some kids break their toys and for them to say, it's okay, it's just a toy. Um, you know, I think it helped them learn that, that people were more important than things. Yeah. Partly because of foster care, partly because that was a one of their mother's mantras for a long, long time in Still our Still is. <laughs> people are more important than things. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I need it for myself too, right? Mm, when my kids break true. something that's mine, <laughs> my people are more important than things. Well, my children my are more important than my things. Well, because my things cost more money than they <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make it right. I'm just saying why I don't react well all the time. Yes. Do uh, you know whose iPhone that is? I can tell you who it's not. It's not our iPhone. <laughs> it is mine. Um, yeah, so those are great lessons. And like Kayla just said, I think those are good lessons um, that we need to learn. And I think part of preparing our kids for this is, is us ourselves having enough of an understanding of what it looks like so we can talk to them about it. Um, I think inviting them into it. You know, we, we involved our children in, in a lot of decisions early on that most people would say, well, it's really young to involve a child. Um, and to that I would say, you know, giving them some, we are still the ultimate decision makers. Yeah. But sitting around the table with kids when they're 10 and 12 and maybe even younger than that with, with the older kiddos um, and involving them in just sort of our thought process and having them feel like they could speak into that, mm. I think gave them a different view of kids coming into their home and into our home. And all of a sudden it wasn't just, oh, there's a foster kid living in our house. It was, oh, we have another brother. We don't know how long he's going to stay, mm. but we're going to try to make it as fun for him while he is here. Yeah. Because they came to understand intuitively, I think, that, you know, whatever time this child was in foster care in our home was a little uh, respite from maybe being in a tough situation. And so they've always been active in it, and I probably need more grace for them because as I'm such a talking about it, I'm just really amazed at some of the things these little people in our home have done over the years to try to alleviate just a little bit 
little bit of suffering in some of the kids' lives. Mm. So in addition to talking with it about them ahead of time and involving them in the process, what other kind of preparations could we make for our kids before we welcome that first foster kid into the home? I think one thing that we told our kids to prepare them when we had, you know, a new child coming to our home was some of the reactions and some of the behaviors they might see. Um, And we, we talked about how sometimes when kids are sad, they look really mad. Mm -hmm. And that was really helpful, especially for the kids that were a little bit older, you know, that were seven, eight, nine, when kids were coming into the home, it was really helpful for them when a child was ripping things apart or hitting or, you know, banging their head against the wall. And we would say, remember how sad sometimes looks really mad. Mm, And we could draw it back to, can you think about how sad you might be if you didn't get to see any of the people that you loved and you didn't get to go the places that you'd wanted to go? Mm. Um, All the things that were familiar to you were no longer there. Would that make you sad? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And sometimes when we're sad, we don't want people to know we're sad. And so we do things that don't look sad, but they look mad. And so we're just kind of explaining it to him on that level. And maybe even doing a little role playing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Show them what it might look like, right? Yeah. And you can just, I think you can just give them proper expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Because so often we want our kids to be excited. And so we're like, you're getting a new brother. You're getting a new sister. Isn't this going to be wonderful? And they're like, no, it's not. They're they're breaking all my toys and they've colored Mm -hmm. all over my favorite stuff. And they keep hitting me, right? And so if we set up proper expectations for we're going to have a new kiddo that's going to come into our house and we don't know what we're going to, not what we're going to get, but we don't know what they might be feeling or mm. what they might be experiencing and kind of being able to give them that proper expectation that it might not be all sunshine and roses, right. that we're going to help them through whatever it is and we're going to stick with them Um through the hard stuff. And, you know, I mean, I remember when we had a kiddo in our home and one of my kids said, well, why do you love her more than you love me? Mm. Because I was giving her a lot of attention. And so we had to talk about that, but then we also had to then come up with ways that I could help that child of mine that was there permanently not feel rejected. Right. Because I had to listen to her voice and her voice was saying, you're spending so much time that I feel like you don't love me as much. Yeah. If, if I can say something about that, cause I watched you do this well. And I don't know if I've ever told you this, so I apologize if I haven't told you this in person, but um, last year we had a, a five-year-old little girl in our home <clears throat> and we have a five-year-old little girl. And so this five-year-old little girl was getting a lot of attention cause she needed it. But I watched Kayla play the, I have two legs, which means I have two laps. You can have the left one, you can have the right one. And in times when the child who needed more attention was sitting on her right leg, the child who was feeling like she wasn't getting the attention she wanted was sitting on her left leg. And so I watched that relationship not be harmed in any way. But also the positive thing about that is there was no grudge that was built against the child who was not a permanent part of our family. And those two are buddies now. And our daughter asks for her, when's she coming over to play? <laughs> and all because I think Kayla handled it really well in yeah. times when our, our five-year-old was saying, hey, how come I'm not getting the attention? Yeah. 
But here's the great news about that. Our five-year-old knew that she could ask with her words and didn't have to act out because her whole life she has known that we will listen to her when, we, when she talks. Yeah. Which is, I think, the other thing I would say is that you just have to consistently, consistently, consistently do these things with the kids so that over time they will learn that you are serious and that you can be trusted. And I think going back to other ways you can prepare our kids too is I think you can involve them in helping this child understand how we do things in our house, yeah. right? So you can say to them, you know what? This this kiddo, nobody ever showed them they could use their words to ask for what they needed. So mm. can you help them show them what it looks like, right? And involve them in that process. Yeah, mm. involve them in the process and say, say, will you show them what, will you ask me for something and I'm going to give it to you so that so that Johnny here can see what it looks like when you ask and I can give you something, right? So we can involve them in that way. But I also think there are, there are definitely, Ryan kind of alluded to that earlier, there are definitely some negative impacts of having foster kids in your home, having, you know, being part of that system, right? A lot of your time is drained, um, in paperwork and meetings and court hearings and all of this kind of stuff. But really the thing that, that I have seen like lasting impacts with our kids has been not helping them process when kids leave. Mm, that's good. And so I, I recently, I heard, I've heard this several times recently, and I think it's just cause I needed to hear this was, when you experience something traumatic, you have to process it within 72 hours or it kind of becomes part of who you are. Mm. But if you're able to process it. And so I think when kids would leave our home, we kind of just got used to the norm of kids leaving. Mm. And we're like, this is just part of being a foster parent. We just move on. We just keep going and they'll bring a new kid later. But I think for our kids, They've gotten very attached to this child. This child has become a part of the family. Not that it hasn't become, this child hasn't become a part of our family. I'm just saying as adults, we can kind of be callous to that. Right. Our kids feel it really deeply. Yeah. Um, and if, especially if they're pre-verbal or if they're really young and they really don't understand what's going on, mm. we have to process that for them and with them. And I think one way you can do that is you can, just tell them the story of what happened over and over and over again. So you can say, well, you know, yesterday we said goodbye to Johnny. Mm. Johnny went to go live with his grandma because grandma is a safe place for him to go. Mm. And then later on you go, look at this picture of Johnny. Wasn't it fun having Johnny in our home? But Johnny went to go live with grandma, right? Mm. So we can continue to just tell them the story of what happened so they don't go what happened to Johnny? Mm. Where did Johnny go? Right. They know that they There's know no that they know left over from that. Yeah, yeah. We have given them the story to process and mm. make sense of what's happening in their universe. So our listener, Jamie, who wrote in with this question also asked, does TBRI work well for kids who aren't from hard places? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think she wants more than that. Probably Just a little bit more. Well, I think when you go into foster care, you, you learn all these new techniques, mm -hmm. right? And so I know at least in, in our neck of the woods, TBRI is what, what's being taught, right? The yep. connected child is required reading. Um, a lot of people in, in the agencies here in Texas are trained in TBRI. They've gone through the practitioner training and that's what they're teaching these parents. 
And so what happens though is parents go and they're like, okay, well, I've got this new set of tools to use with these kids that come in to our home, Mm -hmm. but I'm using traditional parenting with the kids that are already in our home. And I would just challenge you that if you are beginning the foster care journey and you're new to TBRI, you're new to this connected parenting approach to begin shifting how you parent all of your kids, because it's all about relationship and that's what we want with all of our kids, right? We want relationship. We want good healthy relationships with our kids and there's no reason why you can't use this with all of your children. We don't, we don't differentiate saying, well, you have a traumatic history and so we're going to parent you one way, but you, you're a biological kid with no trauma. We Mm -hmm. we're going to parent you this way, right? We don't, we don't differentiate. And so therefore there's no resentment, right? Because Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people who had biological kids in their home and they're like, well, I'm still doing this. And I've just told my biological kid, well, that's just because you're a biological kid mm-hmm. and you just have to deal with it. Right. Or they've said, well, I'm not allowed to do these things with the foster kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there becomes this little bit of resentment of you're giving them everything they want or you're being nicer to them or whatever. And also just it's an easy it makes it easier on you as the parent, too. You don't have to mentally flip a switch yes. on how you parent from one kid to another. You just parent them all the same way. Right. So if you're already learning TBRI and this is how you're going to be parenting the foster kids, it only makes sense just to parent the other kids in the home the same way. Yeah. Yes, because you're investing in the relationship, right? Because you gave the really practical thing that I usually point to <laughs> is like, it's like lying to three people. At some people, point you can't keep up, right? <laughs> right. Like, who, who do I hug and who do I send to the room? I'm so confused. <laughs> right. Who's in time out and who's in time in? And, right. <laughs> right. right. I mean, and, but here's here's the other thing, right? For for um, for our kids uh, who come from trauma histories, when they see us use traditional parenting tools on the other kids in our home, um, that damages them again because now, as they're growing in, in relationship with our children, they're now watching something punitive happen, and that is. Um, that is um, traumatizing to them again, right? That's the whole secondary trauma thing. The whole, right? You know. Here, here's the example I like to use. If I know where the nuclear codes are, you can rip, and I know that if I give them up, people will die. You can rip my fingernails out. You can pull my teeth out. I'm not giving up the nuclear codes. But the moment you threaten to hurt Kayla, I will tell you exactly what you want to know. Yeah. Because it's so much harder for people to watch those they love get hurt than it is actually for them to be hurt. Mm-hmm. And so as they're growing in relationship with the other children in their home, when you're being punitive of those children, it actually is psychologically and emotionally damaging to the children. So... Um, invest in Jesus wanted you to invest in invest in relationships invest in relationships and so along those lines I would say there is no value practical emotional spiritual any um, value in parenting the kids differently all children should be parented like this all that's not even my humble opinion if it was humble I would have kept it to myself (laughs) all children need to be parented this way well, if that wasn't a definitive answer to Jamie's question, I'm not sure what is. Well, Jamie, we hope we've uh, helped you out, and we wish you and your family all the best as you uh, start your journey into foster care. If you have any questions for us, you can always email them to us at info at onebighappyhome.com. If you can be really concise and you can fit it into 280 characters, feel free to tweet it to us at onebighappyhome. We've got a Facebook group for podcast listeners. You can just search for the Empowered Parent Podcast community. If you're not already subscribed, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, the Google Play Store, 
or on Spotify. Just search for the Empowered Parent Podcast. If you've enjoyed and gotten value from our show, we would appreciate a review at any of these locations. The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thank you for listening.